0: This is the end scene from episode 6 of HBO's Lovecraft Country. That raspy voice belongs to a mudang, a Korean shaman. In this show, the mudang put the spirit of a kumiho, a nine-tailed fox, into a young woman. The kumiyo comes to the mudang asking for a favor. The mudang is not impressed.
1: That's what people think of us stereotypically, that they automatically think when there's mudang, they automatically think that we're demon worshippers, Satan worshippers, uh, causing more harm than good. Uh, My name is Jennifer Kim. I am what people call a mudang.
0: Mudangs are very, very real, but not how Lovecraft Country portrays them.
1: This is a, just a show and a fantasy. No mudang will say, you know what, let's switch out your daughter's soul and replace it with a, with a god or a spirit, a vengeful spirit. And instead, the mudang, what we'll try to do is try to help work with the daughter to help work through her traumas th- through rituals and prayers and other types of works.
0: My name is Chawan. I'm not an initiated mudang, I'm a witch. After centuries of being outcast in society, mudangs are now mainstream in Korea. However, so many in the Korean diaspora, including Korean adoptees, may have never heard of Korean shamanism. What do mudangs do? Like, what, what's their role in the community?
1: Usually, um, mudangs are always known for their divination. If it's the New Year, people will like to visit mudangs to get their yearly fortunes uh, taken. Or, or a lot of times if people have issues life issues like you know problems with school or problems with spouses relationship love or and when or when I'm gonna meet my future husband like just you know when people have these type of issues they seek a mudan some people um, when they visit mudans when a person comes to us for rituals or ceremony that means that that person tried everything in their power to make something happen let's say let's say to make their business successful they've tried everything and whatever they're trying is not working so a lot of times as a last resort they will f- try to find a budang to perform a kut ceremony that will open the doors to their business and give them financial success
0: if you want to hear the complete one hour 40 minute conversation consider joining at patreon.com which is
1: mudang is by definition we are the middleman between the spirit world and the human world but each mudang and the spirit they serve is very personal and very different you know mudangs are mostly women um because i think it has i think it has a lot to do with confucian um, values and beliefs because during the chojan dynasty it was seen as the women's religion you know and being emotional um when being emotional um uh, was considered such a woman thing to do. and and part of our folk culture has to do with has to deal with raw emotions. So a lot of times, um you know, like this was heavily looked down upon paksu mudas. that's what we call male shamans. It's interesting because um, they were often gender fluid or non-binary or even uh, transgender or even, Women practitioner who had a lot of tomboyish qualities. You know, it was very, it was very um, common for budangs to have both masculine and feminine energy. I grew up as a tomboy. If people um, ask me how I identify, I, I identify as a tomboy because that's the way I grew up. When I was younger, there was a point in my time, in life where my mom cut my hair and dressed me up as a boy when i was in grade school.
0: You mentioned something so interesting to me before which was that because <laughs> of the way that Flushing Queens is there is also a large russian community. Yes. And so uh, there are clients that you have who are used to let's say the siberian shamans. Yeah. They will because there's fewer siberian shamans in america they will actually turn to korean
1: shamans. It's very similar um is It's, it's going to be some similarities, like to the natives, especially towards the Inuit as, uh, natives, because, or even um, similar to maybe, um, is it the Sami people? I'm, I'm not quite sure on the pronunciation. The Sami people of, um, let's say, Finland and Scandinavia and places like that.
0: So kind of like more colder weather northern hemisphere um, indigenous practices yes
1: Mm -hmm. because with the north with the northern practice there's more of a prominence of like a bear cult where the the bear animal is very important to Mm -hmm. the folk practices of these different indigenous cultures there was a point where um when i was searching for a korean mudang to become my teacher there was a point in my life where i told myself if i can't find a Korean shaman, I was going to go to Mongolia. A lot of Mongolian culture is integrating within within our culture as well. A long time ago in the ancient kingdoms, shamanism flourished. Most of the kings or even queens, they all practiced uh, different forms of shamanism that was very specific to their region or their tribe.
0: Everything changed in the 4th century.
1: Wodans have a very long history of being oppressed. We were considered the lowest of low. We were considered the, like... In the Indian caste system, was similar to the untouchables, which like they're the lowest class, we, that's what we were. We were considered the lowest class within society. Um, Buddhism was devastating to um, the indigenous practice.
0: People have this image of Buddhists as being super non-judgmental and super open.
1: Buddhism has been very forceful where they've taken a lot away from uh, Korean shamans and Buddhas and Muism. every sacred mountain in Korea is now occupied by a Buddhist temple. Buddhism uh, took a lot of our indigenous gods and spirits and blended it in to make it a little bit more familiar to the Korean people.
0: So in a lot of ways the Buddhists they colonized.
1: Oh absolutely. When Buddhism first arrived in Korea most of the monks that were trying to promote Buddhism were Were wanderers, were beggars. My spare mom says that Buddhism was built on the backs of Buddhas.
0: Things only became worse when a westernized imperial Japan colonized Korea.
1: During the occupation, that's when, especially with the Japanese occupation, that's when there was a lot of more initiatives from the Japanese to demolish our folk practice and instead. They require, and instead, um, where a lot of our sacred shrines were, or a lot of sacred places, those places were demolished, and instead, they would have a Shinto shrine. Japanese were trying to promote Shinto as uh, to replace our folk religion because Shinto was seen as superior, or Shinto was seen as more elegant and refined, whereas our Korean shamanic practices were seen as vulgar savage. We were considered backwards and disgusting and uneducated.
0: Koreans resisted Japanese colonization and Christian missionaries from the West were allies to Korean independence. Christian missionaries also founded many universities. Westernized, Christianized Koreans they became and still are the ruling elite in Korea, and the Korean government has done everything they can to suppress and silence budangs and mugyo
1: whether you're in korea or whether you're a korean diaspora outside of korea their church is seen as like the religion of like the elite so to speak you know the for koreans people who have money people who run businesses they all congregate to churches because that's where they find financial sponsorship not only that but there's tons of korean mudans who are born in korea lived in Korea, doesn't know anything about our folk uh, shamanic practices because they themselves grew up in a very Christian household, even in Korea, and were taught that budangs were the spawns of the devil or demon worshippers and things of that nature. I don't have any um, initiated mudangs in my family per se, but I definitely do have family members who are definitely afflicted. There's uh, the classic signs of xinpyong, which literally translates to God sickness or God illness.
0: Since you were a little girl, you've always had symptoms of xinpyong
1: yeah yeah because um when i ever have a whenever i have a discussion with my mother she always told me how that even as a child i was always um you know i was always obsessed with wearing hanboks and things of that nature i was very obsessed with the korean culture and drumming but besides that she's my mother would say that there were times when i just walk up to her and i would blurt something out Um, One of the biggest things for my mother was when um, my parents were getting divorced and my mom, um, my parents' marriage was very abusive. So when my mom finally um, decided to leave, she was very conflicted and she told me that um, I had predicted a a while back that she was going to divorce and that it was okay to leave. And my mom always brings that up, that every time she thinks about it, she always gets goosebumps because I was only about eight, nine years old. When my parents divorced and my mom, she um, left the family, we were kind of left on our own with my father. And, you know, my grandmother flew in from Korea, so she was the one who raised and took care of us. As a child, I was always called by my grandmother, which means the devil child. On the weekends, my grandmother would hold me down, pray over me, trying to cast out the devil or call me the demon child or the devil child. The peak of my shinpyong, I was like in my early 30s. I had my son um, and my the peak of my shinpyong happened around the time I gave birth. And it was very hard to decipher because I couldn't tell if it was postpartum issues or not. But um, by the time I got initiated, my son was turning three. So at the time, I was about 32 years old. I was riddled with chronic illness. I had, um, I was riddled with chronic pain. I had surgery after surgery. There was always something wrong with me. For example, um, right before I got initiated, um, I was told I had cancer. I couldn't have children. There was a lot of health issues that was mounting up where I required spinal surgery, knee surgery. I had a lap- laparoscopamine, shoulder surgery. We say um, we say those who are afflicted by the gods is not just mysterious illness. We also say that the knife comes into you. There was a lot of um, mental um, mental problems for me as well because I couldn't sleep at night. Every time I go to sleep, I always thought I heard drumming and I always wanted to like run in the mountain, leave my family. It was to the point my husband, my partner, was really um, very concerned, very upset that one day he might find me dead, or one day um, he's gonna find out that I, I packed up and left the family. At that point in my life, I was very unstable. I had a lot of family misfortune. My father's side of the family wanted to hire a very special Catholic priest that performs exorcism. Um, and they wanted to have an exorcism ceremony on me. My grandmother um, is really interesting because before she converted to Catholicism, she followed into folk practices where she visit her neighborhood or the village budangs or did, did ceremonies in the mountains at night. You know, she did things uh, within our spokes, uh, within our folk practices. But when she came to America, um, She converted to Catholicism. In our Catholic church here in Queens, New York, St. Paul, Chunghaasung, my family was seen as the devil. Um, we were also outcast in p- part of our um, di- part of our congregation because my grandmother, whenever there was mass, my grandmother would say that she's afflicted by the Holy Spirit. She would start speaking in tongues. She became very disruptive to during the mass whenever the priest was performing. So um, we weren't al- our family wasn't allowed to come back in because we were seen like, I guess the devil like. This family is very disturbed, or the devils in us, and things like that. Well,
0: ironic because isn't the church? Isn't there? Isn't it their job to save families like that?
1: So, growing up, I was a very dedicated Catholic. I used to read the Bible, learn the prayers, learn the prayers in Korean and English, hoping that I could impress, you know, my fellow peers and be more accepted. But instead, um, that also. You know made me look weird like looking back now is kind of interesting because it seems like a, a very power play between male and female because usually the priest being a male and my grandmother being female my grandmother will always go up by the altar of the priest looking back it kind of almost looked like she was doing kut because she was always like jumping up and down hands up in the air you know
0: and kut is what mudans do it's the ceremony that mudans do
1: yeah th- those are the very grand uh, ceremonies that we do when all else fails that's like the last resort which is a big ceremony which we call kut. <laughs>
0: You know, this is a thing that I think so many people don't realize. Even though it sounds cool to be chosen by the spirits, the spirits, they fuck you up. They are not nice.
1: I don't know why people have a very idealized um, fantasy about the spirits. Chunshin, Chunshin are spirits and the gods of the natural world, of the heavenly world. They don't care about you because there will be another mudang behind me. And if that person fails, then there will be another mudan somewhere down the line. So we say in our culture that chunshin is very ninjongyeh, is very cold. And this is not even something that I chose. This is something I really feel that I was um, forced to do because I, at the time when I met my spirit mother and at the time when I became initiated, I was, I believed that if I didn't do this, I was either going to die or commit suicide or... I really believed that I wasn't gonna live much longer if this didn't happen. And um, at that time, I was really desperate, really desperate. I was an embarrassment to the family that I became a budang. My father still doesn't know that I'm a budang, but most of my family, they do know, and they don't really talk about it. Um, It's like, you know, I feel like, I'm like, you know, I've always been the black sheep of the family. Even though they don't say it to my face, I know that they see me as a devil worshiper because when my grandmother passed away and I I came to the funeral, but I did not participate or attend, but I, I did show up, um, my uncle looked at me straight in the eye and said that the devil is here to um, fuck shit up. I was really kind of devastated because that was my favorite uncle. And, um, you know, my mom is still, you know, whenever I become very vocal about it or I want to be more uh, forthright in my position, my mom's always the one who's holding me back saying that I should be, I should live my life very quietly, you know, Mm. and not bring attention to myself. If I was to drop off my mom at her friend's house, she'd be like, okay, drop me off at the corner. I'll walk the rest of the way. My mom would tell me that, you know, because I have children, she would tell me, you know, when you grow up, uh, when the kids are older, you should get a separate house, because you shouldn't raise children because you're a Buddha or your children are gonna be embarrassed by you it's oh, really God. difficult um, it's really difficult um, trying to maintain my composure and understanding when um, when all in, in my mind all I did was I I found the I found a way to survive it wasn't until I had my own family it wasn't until I had my son my own child that I started to see some of the signs in him that i had that i went through for example my son will, it was only two years old but we're sleeping and in the middle of the night my son would just wake up just just wake up sit up and he would just stare off into the ceiling and i'll ask him what's going on he said that there's a man here or you know he he would talk about ghosts or spirit he would point at something and say there's something there and that's when i started doing more research um and i started uh, reaching out to different budangs, maybe on social media and it was very hard because there was a language barrier at the time for me um, so it was really really hard trying to find answers for what was happening to me because i spent all my time going to american psychics medicine men you know all types of healers all types of people and i've gone to so many types of people to get answers but you know often uh, american psychics always tells me that they say they explain it like i have a curse in my family or and that i need to give them 500 to do a ritual or, or things of that nature so um and i was at the brink of you know wanting to die that's when i made the difficult phone call to my mother and i broke down and i told her that i need her to help me or else i was gonna probably gonna or i, I thought i was gonna die and um And my mom flew up, and she took me to local mudangs here in New York, and that's how I met my spirit mother. The minute I walked into her house, um, my body just started—like I just started shaking, like uncontrollably. It was—I don't know—I don't know where it was coming from, but it was all this emotion being released at once, and it was almost as if my body couldn't handle it. Um, you know, this is, I just, she was a stranger at that time, and I just walk into a stranger's home, and all of a sudden, I started shaking, trembling, like, almost as if I was having a seizure, it was, and I was uncontrollably crying, um, the minute I stepped into her temple, I have Shinki, which is this, the energy of the gods in me. But also I had uh, Shimbyeong, Jozangbyong. Shimbyeong is the god sickness. Mm -hmm. Jozangbyong is your ancestral sickness. Um, She was saying also Shimbaram means the winds of the gods. So that means it's the influence of the spirits. Like just like the wind could blow a tree back and forth, that the winds of the gods was affecting me.
0: But then you got this confirmation from your spirit mom. Mm -hmm. and like a lot of other initiated traditions so you have a spirit mom who's sort of like your mentor teacher what was that like
1: well as soon as i met her i was like oh my god i finally found her and i'm not gonna let her go and um like my my spirit mom at that time before my before my initiation my spirit mom refers to me as a kishin that i was a ghost Um, Mm -hmm. she was like i was like a walking dead person um but once I knew that um I wanted to be part of my spirit mom's lineage and I wanted to and I thought that she was my that I felt that she was my teacher I visited her every single day <laughs> at eight o'clock nine o'clock ding dong I was at her doorstep day or night rain or shine I was always there you know what is initiation by the way so initiation we call it the netting or she good you know netting means um Neti means something that comes down. So, and Shinko uh, means the god ceremony. Both refers to the gods coming down or you getting initiated by the gods. By uh, we say, and we say that we got married to the gods. So, so to Avudan, this is a very important day um, where this is a day that we die as a human and get reborn as um, a spiritual tool, so to speak, because we are a tool. Of the gods and our spirits. You can't practice our folk religion or our shamanism without our ancestors. Being in connection, connected to our ancestors, and working with our ancestors is what helps maintain a healthy spiritual practice. Initiation is traditionally, it requires three days. Nowadays, there's a lot of mudangs, right? There's a lot of um, there's a lot of modernizing of our rituals, but I strongly believe, and based on my experience, for a proper initiation, it requires three full days and not a four-hour ceremony or a one-hour ceremony that they do nowadays, because I've seen a lot of things that um, went wrong before, after, before, during, and after initiation, when things were, um, when things are messed with, when they shouldn't be,
0: all day, like all yeah. those three days, you're doing things, and I'm, you know, it's you can't tell us everything. These are kind of secret, but I'm guessing they put you through, like
1: not the most pleasant things, like physically <laughs> hard, mentally hard. Yeah, it's kind Absolutely. of a lot of pressure for three days during my initiation it was one of the most physically hardest thing i had to do because um when we're receiving the spirits we um when we're receiving the spirits we do a lot of jumping there's a lot of jumping up and down which is very similar to the initiation ceremony of mongolia and siberians um it requires a lot of jumping so it is you literally jumping up and down for three days day and night nonstop. stop by then you have to like tap into a different source of energy to to uh continue your ceremony not like you spent like six months training by going on the treadmill every day no sort of <laughs> no <laughs> no um but literally before my initiation i was in chronic pain so i you know i had gained so much weight i was very unhealthy i had knee issues i, had, I literally had knee surgery right like a oh few months God. before my initiation. Um, I also had spine surgery a few months before my initiation. And, and in then that, with that type of health consi- uh, conditions and health issues, I somehow survived three days of jumping up and down, three days and nights of jumping up and down. It's, you know, I really feel that I died and, and was reborn again. That's how I really, really do feel. So there's different types of mudang there's mudangs who only could do divination or there's mudangs who cannot do any divination and do kut only so there's different types of mudangs but the mudangs that are seen to be a very of a high status or mudangs who are very seen as like masters are the ones who have the ability to properly grab ancestors are the ones who could properly be possessed by the ancestors You know, a lot of people just seeing mudangs as just divination, just do chum divination sessions. But um, to us, a real mudang or a proper mudang really has the ability to properly perform a kut. What does it mean to properly perform a kut? It means to be properly able to be possessed by the gods, but not only the gods, but to properly bring in the ancestors of the clients. I think that's really key because a lot of times people who do kuts, um a lot of budangs bypass the ancestral part because they don't have the ability to uh we say chozang to to properly catch or grab the ancestors um being influenced or possessed by the ancestors is different than uh, being completely um by you know by com- being completely engulfed by the spirit and actually having conversations with the client you know, this is where they relieve a lot of issues, right? With within family, within family structures. For example, if there were, if if my client, let's say it was you, and let's say you had a problem with your grandmother, by and you you did a coup to help relieve your ancestral pain and stuff like that. If you did a coup ceremony and I was able, and let's say my spirit mother was able to properly grab your grandmother's spirit, her horn her her soul and bring her with bring her into and become possessed, that will give you the opportunity to maybe talk things out with your grandmother that you were not able to maybe address certain issues um that could provide healing, you know, or or closure to a lot of people. Have you done that with
0: your grandmother?
1: Um, so my grandmother passed away a few years ago, and um, I had to do a coot ceremony to um, properly send my grandmother's spirit away, and that is something I had to do um, with my own family. You know, a lot of people think I'm a budang, and I don't need to do coot. No, I'm not an exception. Matter of fact, because I'm a budang, I should be doing a lot of rituals and ceremonies for my own family, for my own ancestors. So um so therefore when i did my uh quote for my grandmother you know that that was part of the ceremony but it was my spirit mother who conducted that uh quote that, that ritual for me um and she was the one who was taking in all the ancestors so we have a client here in new york um and he's Korean American, but he was an actor. And he, he's on a few dramas, but I'm not gonna say his name. But his mother um, would come to us, she did it maybe two or three times, to do a quote. She wanted to do that to help her son in his career. Um, when we did the quote, it was uh, the gods told her that her son, you know, is not really destined to be a top like A star celebrity you know or actor that you know he's he's that he's meant to you know to do a few shows but not be that popular but but because we did the quote he was able to get one of like a leading role in korea Korea, yeah
0: you were able to change the way that his destiny was written
1: well i wouldn't know i wouldn't say like change the way his destiny was but we were able to influence it and give it a boost so to speak. Because
0: I'm guessing a lot of people who come to mudans, they're coming not for spiritual reasons per se, but things that are very practical.
1: Like, I want my kid to get into Harvard. I want to be famous, whatever. Yeah. Well, first, um, we will have to do a reading to see if that's even possible. We don't just accept anyone, just do whatever. We have to see if, um, let's say, your life destiny aligns with that. Because if your life or if your destiny or your life circumstance aligns with that, then we're able to give it, um, use our strength or whatever, and kind of push it along. You know, helping, helping support those dreams and aspirations. Let's say you want to be Kylie Jenner, but you have no, you're not vocal and you're very timid and you're very shy. You know, then you know when we're doing a reading, most likely we'll say to you know, I'm sorry, but I don't think that could could happen for you because of X, Y, Z. We don't like really make shit out of nothing, (laughs) you know? We, you know, we're a little bit responsible because number one, quote is expensive. Not everybody has this type of money laying around to do these rituals. And not only that, um, because we take so much pride in our work, we kind of scan our clients to see if certain rituals is possible, especially if a ritual is related to sickness or illness. Um, We have to have a consultation and really go into conversation with our spirits to see if we could help someone or not.
0: So the divination, which is called chum, you first Mm -hmm. do that. And then let's say the divination says, well, maybe not highly Jenner level, but just like the example you gave with that actor. But maybe if we do this quote, you can get up to a a million, not 20 million, maybe 1 million. Yeah. it will be hard, but it's
1: possible
0: is yeah. that what is that what the reading would say that if without the ritual you wouldn't be able to reach a million followers but if you do the koot, then because of the boosting of the spirits it will happen
1: yes that is what kind of happens
0: so let's say that the koot happens what is the koot like
1: well when the koot first happens well first of all there's like food everywhere there's like massive altars with food piles of food everywhere and we start the kut off with uh, chukon chuksa, which is the drumming the chanting the prayers and then from there we moved in towards the gods where we invoke and bring down the gods and they give us messages and the last the later part of the kut is the ancestors where uh, we go down a person's family tree and when the ancestors come through there's a process of ritual feeding where sometimes the ancestor may take a drink or they may eat food off the altar or they may or they request um, different types of um, entertainment you know where some ancestors they come they just want to party and they just want to drink and sing and dance so it's through these type of interactions uh, when the ancestors come i think it kind of um For some, I think it kind of activates a type of healing. It helps relieve ancestral pain and trauma because um, when the ancestors are happy, um, that's when they help us and can give back.
0: Okay, so it sounds like there's a bunch of people coming in Mm -hmm. and you put a lot of offerings, things that the spirits will enjoy taking as gifts like food. Yes. Yes and you're basically bringing in all the spirits down and kind of asking them to yeah hey can you make things easier for this person can you help this person gain extra followers can you help this person become a lead actor
1: in a series like you're directly petitioning Yes, spirits. I have a lot of changuns in my lineage, a lot of male gods and male deities that are generals and warlords in my pantheons. And I think that um, has to do with a lot of the male ener- or the masculine energy that I emit or you know or I give off to people when they meet me. I even have female changuns in my pantheon. So a lot of, I even have like female warlords in my pantheon, so there's a lot of, um, aggression (laughs) these warlords are these changuns these martial gods they specialize in exorcism so this was this is and and changuns are very very important to Buddha because it's used it's through the power of our changuns that we could cleanse a space we could fight other spirits Uh, we could be we could they act as protectors so changuns even though they sit they're considered earth energy or earth spirits which is considered kind of like a lower hierarchy than you know which is the heavenly gods even though but then each god regardless whether they're earthbound or heavenly they all have a role you know i like to say that my pantheon is like a swiss army knife because i have a tool for everything i have a god for almost everything so it's really um it's interesting because all our gods have to work together in unison like just like a maestro could make an orchestra blend in harmony is is that is also our job to make sure our gods and our spirits are content and pleased and not fighting with each other
0: the korean pantheon now because of buddhism there there are also buddhist gods in the pantheon added on
1: yeah there are buddhist gods and even Taoist gods added on well one of the biggest um stars in our pantheon is true song which is the ursa major the big dipper Mm-hmm. Which is the seven stars. And in our pantheon, the seven stars um becomes our gods. And each star is an individual god that works together as one deity. And they're called Trusum. And Trusum is a god of longevity. It's almost like um, I forgot, in the Greek mythology, there's like this god or spirit that overlooks like people's lifelines. So trusum is very similar to that. We have a god, a goddess similar to Persephone. And she's called the Pari Gongju, which is considered the first Budang, um, first Budang spirit, so to speak. Padegonju is um, travels to the underworld.
0: Do you have child gods and goddesses?
1: Yes, uh, we call them Tongja Tongyos, and um I do have child gods and goddesses. Um, sometimes people follow me often um I have like an offering basket full of candies and cookies and toys and and, you know and that is all dedicated to my child gods and my child spirits because um, the way children's spirits work is that they're like the it's the children gods that runs the errands for the other gods in my pantheon. I'm very um, on the fence with this what, whether or not Korean shamanism should be open to outsiders or if it only should be people of Korean descent that should be practicing our religion, because along with our folk culture, there are so many things that are tied to the way our shamanism has shaped by, you know, through our through oppression, through all these other things that are very unique to the Korean identity or the Korean culture and, and the history. It, it, it's It's not an easy answer because I do know, I have a friend, her name is Andrea, and I think she's very, most people know about her because she is um, the spirit daughter of King Ha. And she was in the documentary called The Mansion. And Andrea and I, we became actually really good friends. And at first, um, I kind of looked down on her because she was an outsider, because she was a, a German woman of European descent. But as I got to know Andrea and as we have more discussion, I get to know her. I find her very inspiring because... Um, Because she is an outsider, but the way she tries to preserve our culture, our tradition, she puts a lot more effort in trying to do things right than I've seen other Korean diaspora mudangs do. I've seen other Korean mudangs or Korean diaspora mudangs appropriate our own culture, you know. So I think when I saw Andrea... Um, really putting in a lot of effort to maintain our culture properly. I give her a tremendous amount of respect. I know Korean people, or even who are non-Koreans who work with gods, um, put in prayers and put in work, and things you know, things happen for them. Where when they work with the god. so so I can't say no. Um, I think it, I think it depends.
0: If you know and respect the the origins, the legends, and you bring that respectful attitude. You could probably work with the gods and the goddesses yeah. of the Korean pantheon.
1: Yeah, I think it has to do with it's all about um, respecting because these gods and goddesses are like are ancient. They're used to being venerated a certain way or being worked within a certain way. And if anyone who wants to work with these gods or spirits, I think they have to do some research and how rich, um, certain way certain things are conducted. That is respectful to the origin of the guys and their stories and and how they work. I think as long as people are mindful of and being respectful, I don't think it's a bad thing.
0: Is it getting a little bit easier
1: right now in Korea, do you think? Oh yeah, I think um, budangs are reaching a certain status, especially financial status. You know, a lot of budangs also also are very glamorized now. You know, because if you go to YouTube and look at some of the budangs, they're so poised and they're very beautiful, and it's a lot different than how budangs are portrayed or how mudangs were back then, because budangs were seen as uneducated. Women were not allowed to go to school or pursue an education but yet the Buddha but those uneducated women um, they were always always very smart women um, and now that Korean culture has become more popular lately I feel that um, there's more and more depictions of mudangs, or there's more shows and pop culture things um, about our religion or about mudangs and our shamanism you go to Korea, there's like a mudang on every corner <laughs> in Korea. You know, there's you could mudangs are in abundance, and but that we say for every 10 mudang, maybe three are real. For
0: anybody of the Korean diaspora, or just any Korean person who wants to know more about our indigenous religions, we have our own gods, our own folklore, our own indigenous before any Buddhism, any Christianity, before any of that, we have yeah. our own practices and legend. Yeah hey everyone thank you so much for listening to the witches and wine audio experience if you enjoyed this podcast please consider supporting me on patreon you can choose between a few membership tiers they're super affordable and flexible your membership helps me continue making videos podcasts articles lots of different things about all the sweet witchy stuff links are in the show notes also don't forget to go on itunes and give this a five-star rating each five-star rating helps rank this podcast higher in searches so that as many witches can find and enjoy these episodes as well until next time this is chawan signing off